Hello, friends. This is Jerry Howard, and you're listening to Drunk Jays Fans Podcast. What's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 149th edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice. Spring training uh, is in full swing, as much as the early days of spring training. The, 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 we're in the honeymoon phase of spring training, and uh, you know what? That's okay. I'll take it. I'll happily, happily take it. And you know who else will take it? Uh, who, who is joining me, as always? Uh, old's Reliable. Old reliable Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I am well. You are well? I am well. Thank you for joining me, joining us. Thank you for uh, being here today. Yeah, you know what? We're recording a little earlier than usual, so uh, there's been less opportunity for me to drink a bunch of beers and slur my way through this, so uh, looking forward to a good show. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to, I like to, we like to put a good show on for the people. Uh, it is a little earlier. That's nice. People to get on with our the yawn count. Me and uh, Gruber's mullet. Apparently, he has like a home game where he tries to figure out how many times one of us will yawn one over of, the span yeah, of the show. One of you or him? Yeah, either he or I. Who will yawn the most? Yeah. And almost always, I win. But it's nice and early, so we'll be good to go. Although there are no guarantees that mm-hmm. I won't yawn yawn my way through. Also, I think we have to like replace the opening uh, banter patter because Dave Burrows murdered us That's, on Twitter. Yeah, he did. Before he rebranded as a non-menace, which lasted all of, like, eight tweets. But that's not the point. The point is, we've got to shake it up. We've got to keep it fresh. Sure. Or not. We've, we've got to keep we've it the same. We've been owned. But also, we've been beaten by the best, really. <laughs> hard to do. Hard to, uh, guest of the show. Long time. Long time friend. Guest of the show. Dave Burroughs has been on this program before. More like a frenemy, but yeah. We had him on speaking... You know, uh, earnestly about things. We asked his opinion and didn't just bring him on to mock him, although we did, of course. Okay, but let's move on to, like, actual interesting things uh, about which we can talk about, which is uh, spring training has begun. All of the the people, all of the pitchers and catchers are there, and the position players are there too, I guess. Everyone has reported, and they're, uh, you know, providing sound bites and showing up and playing catch. and <laughs> Sending and, tweets. Sending tweets, yeah, they're sending tweets, and <laughs> and uh, the the era of bad bad beat writer spring training twit picks is the sun is almost set on that as now we've moved generally to uh, portrait mode beat writer videos. Mm-hmm. Some are better than others, you know. Apparently, they let them get up nice and close. Benny Fresh had some videos like he's standing in Russell Martin's back pocket like a damn umpire. Oh. Well, the Sanchez Rogers, is, the Rogers guy, you got to get the. You get those Rogers guys in there. Well, yeah, and he's got the good phone too, right? Working for the telecom, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool. It's great. It, it is uh, all that spring training has has become. Yeah, it was got- nice to see uh, Aaron Sanchez Sanchez letting loose there, and Martin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, praising the fact that he was uh, uh, you know throwing it really well, throwing mixing up his pitches. Like, apparently, not his first time off a mound because he's you know this spring because he's been. Working his way back still from the stupid blister thing, but uh, 
yeah, that's that's good to see. Aaron Sanchez being good would uh, go a long way to helping the Blue Jays be good. It will. Controversial good. statement there. Controversial statement. It's always good yeah. to have, you know, make sure that your fifth starter is locked down and ready to go for the season. Now, of course, the Blue Jays then today, after all that, there was a new... We'll get to the other the tweeting part. Right now, let's talk about the Blue Jays made a signing, in fact. A nice, tidy little signing. Uh, Jaime Garcia is now a member of the Toronto Blue Jays, which is uh, encouraging. It's fun. He's pretty you know, good. I, I used to really like Jaime Garcia. A couple, a couple seasons ago, that would have been something else. Yeah, I would have been quite excited by it. I mean, you know, he he's a, he's a strong fifth starter, I think. Um, it, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be great. There, I think there's some upside perhaps there too, you know. Maybe not, as you tweeted, when he plays the Yankees, which he probably should never face. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to get destroyed, which also, I don't know, <laughs> can we make Jay Happ and Ryan Barucki also maybe miss the Yankee lineup? Because uh, that could be fucking bad news. But uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, he's a guy who's going to eat a lot of innings. Obviously, that's a, that's an important quality mm-hmm. in a fifth starter. That's something that the Blue Jays really missed last year, not having R.A. Dickey, even though, you know, Dickey was never great or was certainly never what he was billed to be as everybody knows uh but really provided a lot of value by not forcing them to dip into the matt latoses of the world and whatever other garbage they had in, in buffalo the last couple of years though this year it looks a little better you know they're gonna they're gonna have panone and baraki and guerreri and maybe you know maybe be a genie can be a starter still i'd love to see him be a hundred inning guy in the bullpen or get a lot of play in the bullpen i think that would be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, a, a smart way to use it but yeah jaime garcia sure Giddy up. Yeah, I mean... Raise that floor. I mean, as always, we have to think about... the. So he signed a deal. It's one one year and $10 million guaranteed. He'll be paid, I believe, $8 million for 2018. There's a $2 million um, buyout on a $10 million option for 2019. Um, And there were also, like, escalators in there for innings pitched. If he reaches 150, mm-hmm. 160, 170, he can get like 500 grand a piece. So basically, he could earn as much as 2 million extra in 2018. Um, but uh, so that's great. I mean, if you're the fan of the Blue Jays and you are interested in counting their money, which is to say that leaving some money aside for upgrades or whatever else that may come. But the other thing, thing to remember is like that you are getting a picture of that uh, quality. You're getting a one win or so pitcher if you're paying what is essentially a one win price maybe there's maybe that numbers come down a bit given the state of the state of the market but he's going to be that he's a fifth, fifth starter so there are obviously red flags he is not going to or the chances of him coming in and being starting 30 times and pitching to like a three and a half era are very 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 slight um, the mm-hmm. things that are going to be his, uh, I don't know, bugaboo. Like he's the thing that he, he was pretty good with the Braves, and he came to the Yankees, and sort of the worst case scenario I think happened in, in a lot of ways <laughs> a little, with the Yankees. A little bit, yeah. He just because he just gave up a shitload of home runs, just like home run after home run after home run, uh, which is a problem. But he, even even then, when he was not great, he was still just. A, I mean, he was a little bit worse than league average, which is not perfect, but it's. For the for the for what you're paying him and and to do those things that you just laid out to soak up those innings, he's a great candidate to do that. He's a left, you know. It's nice to have a lefty in there, I guess. Um, although, of course, you know, Jay Happ is left-handed, but uh, he's a you know ground ball guy. Which you you have some concerns <laughs> about, about a ground ball guy. I, I, I was mostly just joking around, but you know. Uh... Tulo Tulo has still been fine defensively. I mean, last year was sort of a step down, but he had the the hamstring thing or whatever it was, uh, which 
you know, <laughs> allows us to believe the best possible outcome for Toro Tulowitzki in uh, 2018. Uh, you know, because he was hurt until he got hurt again. So for some reason, that's that's supposed to be encouraging. Uh, but no, I don't know. He's got the they're, they're already talking about how he's dealing with a bone spur in his heel. Um, you know, he's not a guy who always who had you know elite elite range. That's not really his game. He's just like a he's got good range, but he's he's a big guy. He does he's not like the fastest guy on on, on the field. He's just he's a steady as hell, sure handed shortstop who is uh who's breathtaking to watch and 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 what really great to watch and i don't want to disparage his defense too much but it's a little bit interesting to to have a bunch of ground ball guys uh when that's your situation in the in terms of infield defense though the other way uh somebody to put it on, to me on twitter is well would you rather them get a bunch of fly ball guys in the rogers center and it's like nope that's a good point i don't think you want that either so in the rogers uh, center in fenway park in oriole and <laughs> camden yards at yankee yeah. stadium against the yankees yeah. against the orioles yeah I, you know there are there are upsides and downsides to both of those yeah having <laughs> having guys beat it into the carpet probably does seem like uh uh the way you want to go so yeah i don't know that that's fine if he can if Garcia could do that, you know, the projections, it's weird. Actually, before looking at the projections, I was looking at his uh, his turn with the Yankees. Eight starts. He was still worth half a win almost by mm-hmm. fan graphs uh, because, you know, got a little bit babbipped and home run and and whatnot. I think it was, you know, a, uh, like like a tenth less, you know, minus 0.1 wins per baseball reference. Uh, but still had a nice year by both metrics. Um, in the overall, you know, he was a two-win pitcher or a one-and-a-half win pitcher, depending on which one you look at, which... For the Jays, is that all these little pickups on the margins uh, really help? There, there's nobody's really differentiated themselves too much among that group. Uh, perhaps the Angels have, but uh, the, among the group that's sort of clearly below the four best teams in the American League. So, uh, so yeah, just adding like the adding a piece like that, I think is uh, is smart. Nobody seems to have a bad thing to say about it. No, it's difficult to think. Uh, the only the downside, I guess, is that he. Is a is washes out basically that that all the worst fears are confirmed and he just gets hit around a lot and then it's he's no good to anyone if he can't eat innings but but the risk I think the risk of that is pretty low I mean everyone's going to go with their eyes wide open um, I saw uh, Josh from BP Toronto was talking about how um, he has a bit of a unique fastball I guess I think that he's going to write about that and maybe that's a trait that uh, that Blue Jays the Blue Jays front office seems to favor guys with weird or unique um, weird or unique fastball. So we'll see. Look for that from Josh. Yeah, I saw um, that too. This week. That, that is that's an, that's what I'm keeping my eye out for as well. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the other thing I guess is um, you know, again, this is it, though, right? Like this is the thing they said they've had all these conversations. They've had guys on people for the most part. This is the upgrade that they're going to make. Yeah, upgrade to the rotation and. There is no more pitching upgrades. I mean, they could still maybe add a reliever. I don't know where they are money-wise. I think uh, I saw somebody tweet that they were, you know, three or four million below where they ended up, you know, with payroll last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're necessarily going to push up to that same level um, because they, maybe they're going to do the thing that they did in 2015 and and make sure that they have some resources around for the trade deadline if they, for some reason, are actual uh, buyers, which isn't. You know, entirely far fetched. It's probably less likely than not, but uh, uh, but yeah, I, it, it, this this is it. This seems fine. I still really want to see them get that uh, get that Gerard, Gerard Dyson signing. Make that happen. 
get Kevin Pillar the fuck out of here. Um, but no, for the most part, it looks like that that this is pretty damn close to the team, which you would expect. Pitchers and catchers have reported. It's just so weird that there are so many guys that are still out there unsigned who could, you know, theoretically help a team. Um, you know, maybe maybe tendering a contract to Ezekiel Carrera wasn't a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough as we've discussed. So I can't remember the guy's name. He was tweeting at you and I, being like, "Oh, the Braves were looking to make a move uh, to upgrade in their outfield," and and he said, "Oh, maybe is Pilar an option?" And the thing is, if you why would you give up players to get Kevin Pilar when you can just get use cash to get Dyson, mm-hmm. right? If you're a team in need of a guy who has a very similar skill set, maybe you are a believer, a bigger believer in Pilar's ability to hit at the big league level, and, uh, even though he's obviously not quite the maybe base runner that Dyson is. Uh, and if that's even if you go ahead and consider them defensively a wash, um, which is uh, you can do at your peril. I mean, uh, obviously there's a lot to, uh, obviously there's a lot to like about Polar's defense. That's his calling card, but I don't know that Dyson is demonstrably worse. Uh, one thing you did say about upgrades in the, in the, in the bullpen, uh, they did sign Craig Breslow. Yeah, sure did. And John Axford. Well, that's not nothing. Yeah. Did we not talk about John Axford last week? Had that oh, happened? Maybe, maybe we did. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, but the both both are guys. You know, you can say the same thing as about both of them. You know, hope they have something left. It's a a minor league deal with an invite, and I think mm-hmm. in both cases, at least Breslow's case, uh, can make a, a little bit of actual money uh, if he mm-hmm. does make the team. I think Breslow's the one who has the opt out. It's like March twenty second or something like that. So they kind of, uh, you know, it's not going to be a last minute decision. They will need to signal to him whether or not they intend to keep him yeah, around. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. Those are guys who both have had success in their careers and, you know, they're relievers. Mm-hmm. They're guys who uh, mm-hmm. might be able to take one of those last spots in the in the bullpen. I think it, I, the bullpen, though, looks better now than it did yesterday just because uh, Joe Biagini might be there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we did talk about Axford last week and uh, Jake uh, Patricka. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? And uh, Taylor Guerrero, we 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 went through them on the last episode Ooh, of Brooks All Day. Real uh, fucking barn been a lot of, that was, yeah. There's been a lot of fun <laughs> Axford uh, stuff that's come out since, uh, talking about you know pictures of him as a little kid wearing a mm-hmm. Blue Jays shirt and talking to waking up on Christmas morning in 1994, just Blue Jay stuff everywhere, and he's had some lovely quotes. I mean, it's again, you're. You from the very beginning of you and I and people like us talking about this. Our little cohort has been long. Like they just need to not worship the passport and get make the team better. And it, I was coming from a position of frustration because the team had been so shitty for so long. But it is nice to have this right because it just doesn't happen that often. Yeah. Where a guys like, oh my god, I wanted to wear the Blue Jays, you know, uniform my entire life. It's 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 fun, and you can see the appeal. But the appeal does not, of course, take precedence over the fact that he, they, there's, a, there's going to be a job to do uh, for Mr. Axford and whomever else that might. Uh, the difference is, of course, Joey, Joey Votto. Joey Votto doesn't, I, if he was like, I didn't give a shit about the Blue Jays growing up. I hated them. Do not care, Joey Votto, in your cup. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that's, for me, I, that was also part of the frustration was just the lack of creativity, too. It's like, oh, what should the Blue Jays do? Go out and get the Canadian guy who I, whose name I know, as opposed to. Anybody else? Uh, but yeah, I I have also come around on that too because it was very much just 
a disaster trying to talk to people who wanted to just so badly to see the Canadian guys playing for the Blue Jays and, and just such a such a weird thing to have that take precedent or have that be you know the driving force the driving factor and why you want to see a guy on your team but when it's just an added bit of gravy an added bonus uh yeah it's really nice i mean having jason grilly here he went who was somebody that you know nobody thought of as a blue jays fan mm-hmm. and then when he showed up and that that's part of his story that was really cool everybody really really liked that and it, it you know it it made it you know a personal connection between the players and the the player and the fans uh that much faster that much easier and i don't know it's entertainment that's what you know you want you want stories like that Distraction from the horrific daily wor- existence that we all lead and <laughs> dread waking up in the morning. That's right. Every single day worse than the one before. Uh, Jason Grilly, is, I think, is a great example of like the limits to that, where it's like, man, I really like cheering for Jason Grilly, but goddamn, he is not good. And then uh, then he gets to have a lovely send-off, and he does the, the, the thing with the stay in the fight. Oh, my poor heart. Broken. <laughs> yeah. Still. Yeah, Jason Grilly's time had come and gone. It, it had, you know um, what? You know what? You're getting a bit of that vibe too, as well as uh, as poor fucking Troy Tulowitzki. That's, would you shut the fuck? I up? I'm sorry, but it, <laughs> I'm feeling it. I'm I was I'm writing about Troy about Tulowitzki today, and it's like and seeing people tweet about the 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 bone spur, and you know he's already you know he's coming to camp. He's already going to have the start of his camp delayed because he's hurt, and it's like that was just such an amazing moment when. He got traded for by the Toronto Blue Jays, and fucking Tulo is a Blue Jay, and goddamn, uh, I feel like you know, getting uh, ha- having compassion for him is not uh, is not in the vocabulary of a whole lot of Jays fans. I think a lot, I think a lot do, but it's so easy for people to just be like, "What a fucking bum! Can't even stay healthy." Uh, I will not stand for this slander of my large decomposing son. <laughs> I'm allowed to say those things. Yeah. I'm allowed to be a ghoul. Yeah. But I will not hear anyone else ghoulishly running down Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, there was someone on Twitter who was like, what do you do if you know you bring your, your significant other who's not a big Jays fan, you bring her to a game, and then she, she buys a shirt, but you're, not, you're kind of off, and then you get home, and it's a Tulowitzki jersey. Like He was saying, like, well, this is a disaster. And I was like, no. This is a great moment. This is a great career and a great player who has a great, great part of a great Blue Jays team lying through my teeth, <laughs> like just making it all up. Uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's tough, and well, it's not tough. It isn't. It's getting. It's going to become an increasingly awkward situation, and you are you are adept at reading between the lines when Ross Atkins says things, and you're like, he's talking about Tulo's <laughs> rotting corpse, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want it to be that, and and, and I, I don't know if we talked about this last week. We we may have. I know I may I wrote something down about it or I tweeted about it, which is like all the projections are really like, yay, Tulowitzki, you know, like this, he's going to put up like a seven seventy, you know, uh, OPS or whatever. And all the projections are always very rosy, and it's like because he was so <laughs> so so good for so long, and not even that long ago. Yeah. But it's difficult. It's difficult to, <laughs> Five, uh, to wrap your head around. It's like 2014. It was not that long ago. It's it's a bit of a while ago now, I guess. But five wins in 90 games, like five and a half WAR. It's he was so fucking good, uh, you know. And now I find it's like, man, I'd love to see the the, the 2016 version of Tulo back, where he was a league average hitter with good defense. It's like that would be just fine. 
play 130 games, don't look like an old man at the plate who has no ability to drive the ball with authority. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, it's a, nobody wants to get into this, but but it's like it's like we talked about with Bautista and we were saying about uh, old guys having trouble hanging with it in the modern game as velocities uh, increase and, and all that. And Ed Tullo, mm-hmm. you know, Tullo's 33, but he's... He's 33. He's ended three years of his career on the DL for like more than two months. Like, he, it, it, if anyone is an old 33, uh, it's that guy. And it's, uh, you worry. You worry that, that you just, I don't, you know, you don't want to see you it. You want to see I, the, you want to see the bounce back season and then the okay season. And then maybe, you know, make the, make, make the decision three years from now a difficult one. Not the, not the goddamn 2018. Don't, let's not have the fucking ghoul talk. All summer. Before Bautista signed last winter, you know, my big fear was that he does resign and he comes back and he's awful. And that sort of happened, but it was <laughs> only of, a one-year yeah. deal. It, well, it was only a one-year deal, and he is Jose Bautista, so he got to go out on top. He got to go out with ovations, and everybody got all emotional in the last game. Um, against uh, whoever they were playing. I can't remember if it was the Yankees or whatever, the last home game, uh, was tremendous mm-hmm. because he's Jose Bautista and he had all that goodwill to, lay, to fall back on. Troy Tulowitzki doesn't have that. No. And it's very unlikely that he does. And there are people like me and like Matt Ross who have been obsessed with Troy Tulowitzki online for like a decade. So for you know, there's only so much water that I can carry for this poor man uh, because nobody wants to hear it. So... As it gets, as this situation gets more and more awkward, it, there, I, I feel for him because he's probably, I mean, pr- uh, he's going to be just as frustrated as anyone more, that can't I, stay in the field. Judging by it. his personality, he's going to be more frustrated than anybody that this is happening. You know, this is <laughs> this is a guy who and the just other thing, wants to be out there being Troy Tulowitzki, yeah. And the other thing that's going to start to sneak in a little bit, if I'm him or if I'm, think, if I'm trying to put my head in, get into his headspace, is that he didn't want to get traded at all. Mm-hmm. Right in the beginning, so if he if this was all happening and he's still a rocky, it's probably a lot easier to 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 di- to digest. It's probably goes down a little bit easier when you are the best player that the team's ever had, more or less. You are the face of the franchise for the better part of a decade, uh, so you can maybe ease into uh, let's have a conversation about your future, Troy. Where here it's good that awkwardness is going to supersede the. It was nice when you were good for three months here and two months there. And we had some big at bats in the playoffs, but I just, I feel for him. Yeah. I feel for his, his position as he's, as he's confronted with the, the reality of the changing game and his ever changing. And, body. and compounding it is that the, the people who traded for him are no longer here too. So these guys, these mm-hmm. guys didn't even want him. These guys came in and started lecturing people about, about making deals as, uh, as cavalierly with respect to the future. It doesn't take much to read between the lines and be like, that's the one that they're talking about. Like we could, we could, we could deal with the David price one. This one's a problem. Like if you want to get there, but, but let's not, let's move on. Let's, let's, let's sadly bury Troy Tulowitzki's still breathing body. We'll we'll have a long time uh, to do it. Three more years. If he he makes this that long. What what to make of Troy Tulowitzki's molting corpse is going to be this year's what's going to happen with Encarnacion and Bautista from 2016, where we went through this over and over and over and over. Um, Andrew Kashner is not a Blue Jay. That's nice, isn't it? 
It is nice. There, uh, he, Kashner, who was an, who is of a, maybe of a similar ilk or of a similar uh, tier or echelon of starting pitcher as as Jaime Garcia, uh, signed two years, sixteen million dollars, I believe, with the Orioles. And Kashner was a name that was attached to the Blue Jays. Kashner was a guy who I used to love. I thought he was great, and I was always wondering what was so bad about him or what took him so long to get good, and it never really came. And then he, he like kind of strung together like a halfway decent year last year. But, oh, boy, I feel like this is a bullet dodge. Oh, yeah. I You know what? I, fuck. I, I, I'll, not a war, but I'm back and forth with a commenter about this because I was at least willing to uh, – to be open to the idea that it was possible that Kashner had done is doing something differently. There's a, a rotographs piece about how you know the movement on some of his pitches had changed this year, and, and that uh, you know, like in, in extreme enough example uh, or in an extreme enough way to think that you know he's doing something differently. And then he and and what we saw in 2017 for him was that you know he doesn't strike anybody out at this point. He's his ground ball rate mm-hmm. isn't. Is not elite. It's it's up there. It's you know I think it's like forty eight percent. You know Jaime Garcia is is you know in the above fifty, um, and so I allowed myself to wonder if maybe this is a guy who you know a Marco Estrada like you know obviously a very different kind of pitcher, but someone who maybe mm-hmm. uh, is able to suppress contact in ways that you know FIP can't see or uh, or or those kind of metrics can't see. Uh, and oh man, somebody who really liked to think that he knew what he was talking about uh, just tried to to uh, destroy this notion by insisting that Kashner is bad and that you know his last three years of FIP show that he's bad. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, he is bad. And I ended up defending Andrew Kashner more than I probably would have liked to because I was sort of defending the notion of like having a let's have a fucking open mind about why this might this guy might appeal beyond. You know what everybody can see in his FIP, uh, and in his peripherals, mm-hmm. and in his low strikeout numbers, and in his high walk numbers. Uh, you know, maybe there is a reason that he was able to do what he did last year. That that uh, it belies all that, uh, all those sort of traditional, quote unquote traditional, newly traditional ways of uh, of looking at numbers on pitchers. Uh, but yeah, oh man, if there was <laughs> if it was just luck or if it wasn't there or if it's not a thing, he's just bad. He's just really bad. Uh, uh no, he he is it's scary. He is a scary kind of pitcher. The kind of guy that you like I feel as though betting on his ability to limit home runs only is scary. And like you mentioned, he, I don't think that he is in the in that same category some of the other players. Uh, players, the Estradas, because he doesn't have the repertoire to suggest yeah. that. Uh, if you are an Atlanta, uh, sorry, athletic um, uh, member, Eno Saris, who, who is, I, th- I don't know if we've had him on this thing before, but he has a story on uh, on the athletic. Eno is now full time at the athletic as their director of like analytics, or something for the baseball department. And uh, he wrote about how Kashner's fastball never has never played as big as it should be. He was a guy he, who came up uh, with the Padres and or through, after being traded. And his num he you know through ninety seven ninety eight he looked great but it, but he he doesn't have the spin rate and he doesn't have the extension the the perceived velocity was always way lower and I think that's something that held him back now if that's something that he changed um, in twenty twenty seventeen maybe but to me again this is just really scary and he was also a guy who's been 
injured a bunch in the past. I mean, he's he made 30 starts once. I don't if, know. Like, if if Kashner had gotten the Garcia contract and Garcia had gotten the Kashner contract, that I, then I would have kind of understand it understood it more. But I like even in my in my attempts to understand why the team might have interest in a guy who on the surface just looks bad. Uh, you know, I never would have been like, oh, but but guarantee him two years. Like that seems wild to me. That's bonkers. Like I I I I, I would love to believe. I'd love I, I'd love to to think that. Maybe the Jays forced the Orioles' hand, got them to got them to push in that extra year or something, with their fake interest in in that terrible Andrew Kashner. Let's <laughs> uh, put more credit than they it, deserve, since we don't know anything about that. But yeah, I don't know. I think the Jays look a lot better for getting Garcia for what they did than than the Orioles do. I think that's almost always the case. But that, uh, but yeah, it, it it is interesting, and and there's also some other guys out there. That uh, that could have appealed to the Blue Jays. Well, it's funny that Tim Lincecum threw today for scouts in Seattle, I believe. Uh, Lincecum, of course, has got himself all jacked uh, at driveline, working hard. Um, the, the reports today were encouraging. He was throwing much harder than he had been when he last pitched, which I believe was in 2016. He pitched for the, uh, the Angels, Angels yeah. which never actually <laughs> yeah, happened. That was bizarre. But yeah. I don't think it did. The fact that that many teams showed up to watch to watch him pitch when this market is just full of available starting pitchers, it's weird. It's just like, it's the name of the game still. They're just trying to, everyone wants to to go and buy a winning lottery ticket. And that uh, uh, Kashner or Garcia or Trevor Cahill or whoever else, they're not sexy and you need them, but everyone would much, so much rather, you know, roll the dice with Tulu, or Tulu let's see, with, with Lincecum. Um, just a quick word about uh, Kashner before we move on from that. I, I'm looking at expected weighted on base average, uh, which is a number that StatCast has uh, concocted through launch angles and exit velocities and things mm-hmm. like that. Among pitchers who threw 2,000 pitches last year, he ranks 38th. Sorry, maybe that's uh, that's in descending order. Not great. <laughs> like nothing that jumps off the yeah. page. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's figured yeah. it out. He, he knows the magic. Um, so... Yeah, you can easily be be happy that the Blue Jays did not sign Andrew Kashner. I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling that way. Um, so he's not a Blue Jay. Marcus Stroman is a Blue Jay. Unhappy with his status as a Blue Jay. Is that fair to say? Well, depends on if you believe. You know, he deleted the tweet. He walked it back. Uh, but yeah, he mm-hmm. popped off a bit there after he lost his arbitration hearing. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Uh, the Blue Jays have taken him to arbitration twice, which is, uh, well, it's their right. It's his right to go and, and make a case and, and, and stand and ask for the raise that he thinks he believes, consistent with all of the, the rules and regulations and things that go around it. And the Blue Jays, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way, are within their rights to um, extract every single nickel of value they can and not pay a dime more than they should, because that's all that really matters. Not about it's about whether or not you legally can or can't. Not right or wrong, uh, right? It's not the way. That's the world <laughs> that we live in now. That seems to be what we're how we're supposed to think about it. Yeah, it's uh... if it's not illegal, it's legal. If it's not illegal, it's right. Yeah. Um, it's, the world is the world is definitely that free of nuance and uh, and detail and context. I think wow. that's it's best if we all if we all operate well, under that. We, we've given but, ourselves over to a sociopathic system of. Uh, 
you know, of, of economy and, and, and that, that guides so much of our lives that we, that we're just like, Oh, that's, that's just how it is. How could we possibly change this? So how could we, possibly so, change uh, this? so the, you know, Marcus Stroman just has to accept what the, uh, what the arbitrator says. Can't have both ways with capitalism. <laughs> our, our t-shirt peddling Fred. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't. I, you know, I wrote about it. I I I, I tried to be careful of, a, of what I what I say because you don't want to. You know, I, I, Stroman takes shit, and you know, there's media guys who are very quick to uh, want to push this narrative that work for the Toronto Sun, and uh, the, the the narrative that there's something wrong with how he comports himself on. Uh, on social media and with the media in, you know, in, in person. Uh, but yeah, it was a weird tweet. It was, you know, that, that doesn't, doesn't really help anybody, but at the end of the day, it's, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't matter that he would say that it's not going to affect whether he wants to be a blue Jay, whether he's going to do his best this year. It's not good. I like, it, it's very easy to blow it out of proportion and lose sight of the fact that, yeah, he like he he talks about what's going on with his shit on Twitter, and he was not happy about losing that arbitration case and having to sit there and be told reasons why the Blue Jays thought, felt that he wasn't worth paying what what uh, what he was asking for. Uh, Which was always that's always been the thing that people described as like the fear with arbitration hearings. You don't want to go to arbitration with your play with your players and and everyone will stay away from that because all the gloves come off and they drag stuff out of the uh, out of the sewer to uh to bring down the players and it just creates animosity. Whether or not that's true, you know, those comments are a reflection and and in some ways it is refreshing and it's so easy to jump down his throat and for people to laugh at him and call him thin-skinned or talk about how he's having a meltdown. It's a moment of like truth it's a moment of reality it's speaking with emotion which is his whole brand and that one writer would be like you didn't speak to the media but he tweeted a bunch of you didn't speak to the media then you quote his tweet verbatim which is to me hilarious <laughs> but that's yeah. not the point and then you attract the the speaking of coming from the sewer all the people that follow a guy like that come up with their he should be grateful like fuck off but uh but yeah like it's it's an unvarnished moment that that is um we're not used to seeing no. it. We're not used to yeah. seeing someone admit the truth and talk about the things that aren't usually said. And and maybe you know, there's the line of oh, that we that starts to get into like, is it professional? Is it classy? Like, in some ways, it's like who cares? Like, let him let him rant. Uh, and it, it, the 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 problem is, it leads itself to interpretation, and it leads itself to like, well, he's as good as gone. He's a free agent, and oh, he hates the front office, and oh, Shapiro and and Atkins are ghouls, and they're they don't care about any people, and they're just numbers and assets. And some of those things are true, but it doesn't <laughs> make, means it's it's any better for the discourse. The discourse is the is worse for it as we're left to pick yes, up the pieces. Yes, but, that's true. And but you know what, the, the the reputation of of arbitration being. This you know the gloves come off kind of thing. I think that's that's old. Mm-hmm. I remember like you know when we worked with Chief, who was, was a clubby for the Jays for years. We talk about you know I think mm-hmm. I think his line was you know everything but the wife and kids was fair game. And also you think about you know you think yeah. about that those years when uh, you know salaries just were, were different. You know like Domaso Garcia got was it arbitration that he got mad about and burned his shirt. I I don't remember what that story specifically is, but like. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when when it's like pre nineteen eighty seven and owners are colluding to keep your salaries, you know, down without you know 
as opposed to the modern era when the union just sort of blindly allows the sociopathic owners to to extract every mm-hmm. penny that they can. You know, I mean, yeah, you would get a little bit more mad, I think, when the number you're talking about isn't six million dollars when it's like when when you just feel that it's just a little bit more personal when the salaries are not where they when you're not talking about the difference between you know a fourth sneaker closet and a third sneaker closet in his mansion right <laughs> it's easy it, yeah uh although it the numbers are are when you look at it in a baseball sense i think somebody shared that he has They've gone to arbitration with him over a combined seven hundred thousand dollars over two years, which starts to seem <laughs> um, a little uh, maybe on the petty side. But again, it, they're it's motivating a, him, Drew. It's, they're it's, motivating it's, him. It's more <laughs> complex than we'll ever acknowledge. But one thing to the you know Grant, uh, obviously that tweet made headline like made its way around the internet really quickly, and non Blue Jays people started latched onto it. Grant Brisby from SB Nation, he shared it. Uh, and he tweeted, if you're wondering why the Giants are desperate to avoid arbitration and haven't gone since 2004, wow. here you go. So the, that's a team that uh, I'm not going to say whether or not the Giants are good or right for not, for not doing that. Um, you know, they had, they had definitely had a reputation for, for being a good organization, one that people like to play for, but that arbit- arbitration isn't making or breaking that, right? Whether or not they take players to arbitration is a, could or might be a small part of it, but I'm not... I'm not here to suggest yeah. that, but that's a team that has a philosophy that is we don't go there. And the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays, um, you know, they've they the file and trial thing, which is becoming more the vogue as well. I think, and we're seeing it as part of the the ongoing sort of labor strife a little bit, where the players are more inc- players are more inclined to go to arbitration. I think these days um, because of the perception of the lack of the inability to get right. paid. So it's it's a you feel that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we it's worth talking about, but it's hopefully again a little bit of understanding of why someone might lash out like that or or say those things and then and being yeah. able to move I, on. the flip side too though is you know talking about the Blue Jays. I mean, I mean Atkins, I don't know if you uh, we talked a lot about the the uh pitch talks comments that he made uh or the mm-hmm. comments that he made at pitch talks uh when we were on the you know speaking on the last podcast since then i transcribed a whole bunch of a bunch of them and he kept he keeps mm-hmm. using the word agility we're not we sometimes aren't agile enough you know in terms of uh i don't even think he said with payroll but basically meaning you know some teams can can be a little more cavalier with their payroll like the giants perhaps i don't know i don't know specifically what their situation is but maybe you know because there is value i think in you know just Pay the fucking guys and don't don't barter over what are relative to your entire payroll relatively small sums, right? Uh, I get that, and and mm-hmm. you know t- that ties into what we're, we've been you know the the sociopathic system we're talking about. It's like you know you can you can just it's okay to not try to wring every penny out of out of these guys. But for the Blue Jays, you know seven hundred thousand dollars. Does not sound a lot like a lot in terms of their payroll, but as a team that, admittedly, is not very agile, which I think I read to mean, uh, you know, they kind of have a budget and their and that's what their budget is. It's like they're it, it's going to take fifteen fucking board meetings before they can get anybody to approve a higher budget than what's sort of been set. So they can't they can't mm-hmm. in mid season be like, okay, we really we can make a business case for doing this. We're going to do this and. So to them, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars, it can mean something. You know, Matt Latos was 
trash last year, obviously. Uh, but it was mm-hmm. vital that they got a guy who was able to come in and give them some innings behind the you know the starting five in the rotation, and he cost like a million bucks. And uh, had that season gone differently, and had Matt Latos gone differently, that could have been a piece that actually did have a lot of value. It turned out that it didn't. But you know you need those things. Mm-hmm. You need those pieces at the margins that can come and fill in. That's what this whole off season has been about. That's what like the whole. Two years or two year plus years of of Shapiro and Atkins have been about is is raising that floor and being mindful of those margins. So, you know, it, it, I, I get where fans are like, Jesus, Rogers, come on, what are you doing? Like going to arbitration over these small sums, uh, and I get where they would maybe look at what the Giants do and say, yeah, see, can't you behave more like that? But I think that the counter to it is. Uh, that that's that 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 is meaningful to them. That four hundred thousand dollars that they can push to to Garcia, uh, that helps. And and maybe there's maybe it is not a coincidence that that deal got done once they had the cost certainty on Strowman's deal. No, that's that's um, I like that. I, I hadn't necessarily considered that, but. Uh, I mean, again, if you want to look at it from the team perspective, they have to sort of, well, they don't have to. They choose to fight over these dimes maybe in the earlier days of arbitration because of the way that it would then, um, you know, kind of cascade through, especially with Stroman as a a Mm -hmm. Super 2. If you overpay at the beginning, that's going to end up costing you quite a bit come the end if you're looking to be sympathetic to the Blue Jays cause and count their money but <laughs> yeah uh, but uh what are they? I, I i will i will always contend that broken as it is the arbitration having to pay out big arb rewards is a is a good not a bad problem to have if you're looking to at, at having your arbitration eligible players earn significant amounts of money such that you're having to like wonder about where you're going to get the money to pay them. It means that they've performed well because that, mm-hmm. that those, those pays that pay and the way that it's, it's stepped, it has to do with performance. So if your guys are performing, it's a good problem to have. It's a good way, good, like, Oh no, how are we going to be able to pay for Josh Donaldson? This guy who's provided unbelievable production for us. Like his salary is going to be crazy the last year. It's like, well, that's, not a bad thing. I'd rather have that than be like, oh, look how cheap Matt Dominguez is on his fifth <laughs> year through before he becomes a free agent. Like, who the fuck yeah. cares? So, so I, I, I don't mind that. I don't mind uh, paying out. And, 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 and that's the thing for Strowman, right? Strowman has earned himself a very significant payday because he played so yeah. well. So I wish that he could have, well, I don't know. I, I can't pretend like it's it's easy for me to reflexively be like give it all to the players, but I don't know, give yeah. it all the players. And, uh, at the very um, least, maybe next year it's time for one of those uh, two year deals and just avoid the next two arbitration processes. You know, see, I don't know if you're Strowman, why do that? Be- because the the extraordinary circumstances kind of clause that's in the arbitration thing. Like if you prove yourself to be, if you basically, if you win an MVP or a Cy Young or do something crazy like that, it gives you a big mm-hmm. bump. So if you're Strowman, you either have, you have to price that in, right? If, if you think like I'm going to win a Cy Young. So I want to make sure that I'm paid for the possibility that I come through and win a Cy Young. 
you know, and not only do you get paid, then you get Dave Burroughs to say he's going to get a, an HDM <laughs> MH tattoo <laughs> um, if you win 20 games. So, you know, you got to, because that's, again, the, the arbitration ser- uh, system is so uh, weird. I'm, I, it's cool that it's been kind of reverse engineered. That's such a great um, tool for people who like to follow the game closely to be able to really get close and like this is what he will probably earn in arbitration given this voluminous history of uh, these arbitration hearings. It's uh, it's kind of neat, I, mm-hmm. I think. I Take mean, it's it, it before it could be like, oh, why did he get that? I fuck, it's I it's know. broken as fuck, and they should just start from scratch, basically. But uh, but yes, but. It being in place, it is, yeah, it is interesting. And, and, and sure, whatever. Give it all to the players. Give it all to the players. Um, except for, we'll oh, the, the, the talk about the last thing, the last thing on the schedule. And uh, depending on what happened here, you might have heard something off the top. Uh, voice of the Blue Jays for, what is it, 36 years? Yeah. Jerry Howarth retired. Quite uh, in the spur of the moment, as it would seem. Um, seems to have taken a lot of people by surprise. Um, he said that it's more about his, uh, he's not like ill, ill, but his voice and his stamina and that it is at his age, it's, it's a lot of travel and everything. So he's retired just like yeah. that. No, it was a, it was a, a surprising thing. Jerry was, you know, was one of the, uh, the very early, uh, drunk Jays fans podcast guests who, uh, you know, what, how did that I, ever come together? Is there a way to. Do you remember? I don't 100% remember. I know that somebody, I know that his son did a thing on us for like Now Magazine at some point. And then at the end, mm. and then at the end was like, like didn't tell us that he was Jerry's kid and was like, oh, by the way, like, oh, okay, whatever. We don't give a shit because <laughs> we were just scumbags. But no, that but, but yes. were, yeah. he were, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, some of us still are. Uh, but uh uh, yeah, it, I, I don't even remember how it came about, but he was—he was a very nice man. He apparently—he apparently liked the blog in the early days, which is like, uh, it really—it really is shocking. shocking. I mean, I—I I, I remember that our stick was sort of like, like Jerry is a creepy old man, and would kind of like catch those vibes. Like I remember, <laughs> like him, him saying, talking about a guy making a. Like catching a foul ball and then commenting on his wife and being like, "Oh, and looks, he looks like he made a great catch as well." <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, for some reason, we just uh, yeah, we ran with that, and apparently Jerry got a kick out of it. So, uh, so yes, it was a, that was that was that was a, a, a thrill, an honor uh, for us fucking weirdos to to sort of be legitimized. It's his fault, really. Uh, because he was, he, he, was he, he normalized. He normalized the DJF voice back he, in the day. I mean, day. who who is bigger than you know, who is bigger than Jerry Hallerth, right? How 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 could we have got somebody bigger? Really, I mean, I, I mean, I I know it's easy to talk like that after the surprise where he just announced his retirement, but you know, he is the voice of the Blue Jays. It's uh, it's going to be a strange thing uh, to hear those games on the radio and and not hear him there. It, it, no one has a no one really has a dis, has a discouraging or disparaging word to say about Jerry Howarth. He's like what I would be down there on the field. You could see what he had. Like he and Bob Elliott were the two guys who kind of they had their own rule book, right? Like they got they got to do stuff that I don't think anybody else would bother right. trying, like walking, you know, leaning on the on the bat on the batting cage and stuff, like leaning on the cage during BP and like and just kind of 
going past lines that I would never have fought to walk past because they they earned that uh, with their tireless work. And I think it's, I mean, Jerry, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how old he is. Do you have know how old he is? I don't. Offhand? I don't. Um, but he like to have continued to work. He's 71. So for him to be 71 and traveling as much as he did and, and calling games, you know, day in and day out and, and ever, just about every inning for, for, the, for the bulk of it. I mean, at the end, the last few years, he was sharing, um, sharing the mic with, uh, with Wilner, who would get uh, three innings there in the middle of the game. And then also Joe Siddle, who would get some innings on the, on the road, I know, last, uh, last year. But uh, you know, yeah, he's the he's the voice of the Blue Jays, and there's no there's no benefit to like trashing him or suggesting that he had he had uh, maybe slipped a little bit because I mean that he's again like, seventy one years old, um, but he is so central to so many uh, well just to ge- Blue Jays members m- m- Blue Jays memories in general. I can't I don't know that I can necessarily think of like a an individual call, but like. Driving home from wherever with your parents, or driving wherever on your own, and just like the, the call, the opening call, like the the Blue Jays are in flight and all that kind of stuff. It's great, it's brilliant, and it's nice to have. It's nice that the Blue Jays are a team that's been around long enough. There's enough history that they ha- we have mm-hmm. this right. There is there is a legendary broadcaster that the other when he retires, people from all the other medias like you know the Mike Ferrans guys who are on their coming up in their careers are like. You know, legend Jerry Howarth. You know, we hate to see it, and it, it's 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 fun to for guys like you and I, people like you and I, who have sort of grown up with the Blue Jays, always being there, not knowing a world without them, and then the, all the people who have come behind us. And Jerry's been there the entire time, so it's uh, we tip our hat to you, Jerry Howarth. Thank you for uh, thirty six years of uh, of great calls and memories and great kazoo style antics. You really can't <laughs> you can't you can't put a price on it. Uh, and I hope that he enjoys his retirement more than anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it, what a shock to the system that would be to be to have worked that kind of a job. That's such a day in day out travel. This and then you go back to just be like hanging out with your wife. <laughs> oh boy, here every day, huh? That's the- <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm sure it will be a shock to him. And and I mean, I I can only echo what you what you said there. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, and you know. We are we're fortunate. I mean, we we were fortunate to have Tom Cheek for so long, and he did have the signature call, which you know, uh, which mm-hmm. so few guys get to get to have. But you know, those are guys that, especially with MLB TV and with people being able to do listen to the radio overlay on the TV, and and you can listen to every game and every market. Uh, you know, people got a chance to to hear uh, guys like like Jerry and and you know, Vin Scully was obviously the 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 big one that had a, the huge retirement last year and. And, uh, mm-hmm, you know, those, mm-hmm. those guys are, are, you know, there's fewer and fewer of them every year, it seems. Uh, and, and it is, it's sort of, it, it ties back, you know, Vin ties back into like, you know, pre Jackie Robinson days. Right. And then, and, you know, Jerry has been, you know, most of the people or a lot of the people listening to this podcast, uh, you know, was calling these games since before, before they were born. Right. It's, uh, uh, it, mm-hmm. it's quite an amazing thing to think, you know, we, we we griped about uh, twenty years without the playoffs, and he was he was here for for like eleven years before that. Uh, you know, just uh, just so intrinsically tied into the history of this franchise, and yeah, they're day in day out. That's I mean, those are the only guys who really are. You know, the newspaper guys come and go a lot more frequently, and and you know, the players and the GMs, and they all 
they all come and go, but those are the those are the people that really you know center your experience and and uh and i think just not hearing hello friends is going to be uh is going to be a shock to people's systems uh, as well speaking of shocks to the system absolutely and and you you can't i can't help but think that this is also like the end of of an of an era where nobody has nobody works a job for this long anymore and if the you know how many different ownership groups did jerry Howarth's mm-hmm. um uh, uh, tenure uh, in- include or, or, or encompass how many different um, broadcasters, right? It wasn't always, you know, Rogers. I mean, it would whoever was back before. I mean, as as the, the whoever the rights holder is changes hands. You know, God only knows what what's going to happen in the future. And, and even the radio, like it's it's somewhat where it's easy to get nostalgic and and like kind of think of these gauzy thoughts, but like. We, we talked about when you're a kid driving in the car with your with your parents and stuff. I mean, most people, excuse me, have often now you look into cars and everyone's got their own headphones. They're plugged in. They're doing their own thing. And and often maybe more now more so now they're they're streaming the game on their phone. So you're watching the TV broadcast anyway. Right. So right. maybe I don't want to. I don't want to say that he, that Jerry Howard is the last of a dying breed and that uh, baby boomers are determined and 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 will die and rot like the rest of us, but. Jerry, Jerry Howard is uh, the last of a dying breed, and baby boomers are going to die and rot like the rest of us. Uh, and then, I, I mean, I don't know. You don't. You never want to speculate about what's going to happen. Um, I know that I, I have, I have a lot of respect, and I have a lot of time for Mike Wilner, and I think it'd be he'd be great in the job. And I hope that uh, I hope that he gets a shot to to do it, to to, to sit in that seat. He's been, uh, you know, he's, he's working hard, and, he's, and he'll tell you, he'll tell anyone that will listen. I'm sure that. Uh, about the way that Jerry has been able to like mentor him and teach him and, and bring him along and, and kind of help him to um, to uh, learn about what it takes to do that job every day. So hopefully, I mean, you never know who's going to come and what kind of decisions can be made. But I like to see Wilner get a shot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think you know, I think he's been sitting there, sort of not wait, not ghoulishly waiting. But I mean, I think that that's 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 part of that job is that you know he's been groomed along along the way to to be taking that over. And I think that he's earned that. And I think that people, uh, people don't like the, the way that he handles Jay's talk a lot of the time. So I think a lot of those people are ones who have arguments that, uh, that he does not agree with and, uh, and subsequently, uh, takes apart or some would say, and maybe I might sometimes agree, uh, thinks he takes apart, but doesn't really, doesn't do a great job of it. It, it, it. There's a, you know, there, there's just such a weird psychology, when it comes to people and and Wilner, uh, that I think is is sort of Jay's talk specific, where you know that's what that job is, that's what that role is, it's the back and forth, and you know for years I'd be shouting in all caps with people in comment sections, and 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 I get that too, which I I try not to do quite as much anymore, uh, and where I think that you know to to have him as the lead uh, broadcaster calling the games. Uh, I think people would forget very quickly that this is a guy that they don't agree with about whether a bunt is a good thing to do or, or, you know, how he, uh, how, how he chooses to, to correct people or I don't know, whatever bullshit people that don't sort of get the joke, uh, find to, uh, to fuel their dislike there. So I, I, I hope those voices well, don't get too loud because I think that it's going to be, you know, I think if Wilner gets the job and I hope he does, it's, it's going to be a different thing. You can't you can't please everyone, and 
Jerry Howarth, you and I have been very critical of him in the past for his veneration of maybe the more religious ball players, <laughs> the hip hop thing, and the the whole Jose Reyes, Ryan Goins um, thing. Where Jerry, you know, he he, I think the Jerry Howarth was pretty much you know very non controversial for his entire career because he as a if he's being play by play. He's calling the game. He's describing the action. And I think that's also where, when Wilner's at his best, because whether you love him or you hate him, you cannot argue that Wilner knows the game. Right. And he's watched, uh, he's watched the Blue Jays for up close and personal, as close as anybody, for a, a very long time. And before that, he, you know, he called minor league baseball up, down, and around, all up through upstate New York, that he knows the game. And it's a matter of if, when, when he can, if he is able to win people over who may bristle at his... Um, persona on Jay's talk when he is then calling the games and just describing the action and letting the game come to to him as he does um you know he gets excited he's a fan he's lived in in the city his whole life i think that again as time goes on and that if, if he's able to move away from the Jay's talk thing that is going to help to just get people kind of socialized to the idea that he's there to call the game and he does so in a, in a knowledgeable manner with a with a fresh voice that what always happens whenever I see people from out of the market who listen to the Jays on the radio, be like, why is Jerry Seinfeld calling the Jays game? That's what people say all the time. <laughs> he sounds like Seinfeld, which is great. But, uh, but yeah, no, and, and so those are the times where Jerry stuck his neck out a little bit and showed a bit more personality, and you guys like you and I, we hated it. So it's not it's not going to be any true. different. I think that's true. Though, the, the not refusing to use the Braves and, uh, and Indians name, uh, which I just didn't right there, uh, I, I I think that was I thought that was awesome and uh, of Jerry and 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 commendable and you know as you say sometimes uh, he strived it seemed to be not controversial but uh, uh, you know sometimes not not as much in the in the later years right you know he would he was banging mm-hmm. the drum to get R A Dickey out of town and to get Jose Bautista out of town and stuff like that that we didn't like but. Uh, but on mm-hmm. the other end, I think he was absolutely right about Cleveland and Atlanta, and and, uh, and he had nothing to lose at that point too. either, that's right? True too. <laughs> like, but no, it's like hey, seven-year-old man. I but, but I think that makes it more out. powerful too, right? <laughs> to, to somebody who, yeah. you know, it's like it's easy for me to have that opinion, and then uh, who's going to fucking take me seriously? <laughs> but when Jerry does it, that means something, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just yeah, it's true. Uh, and yeah, you know, it's uh, like you say. There, there's no sense rehashing a lot of of that stuff because it's just you know when you you're sitting there talking on the radio three hours, 162 games a year. Now four hours, mm-hmm. or the fuck it takes uh, for for you know thirty <laughs> odd years. Uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna say stuff about and, and, and that you could pick out and people can gripe about. But what it really comes down to is is that he was just the soundtrack for for so many people and just radio is such a so it's such a perfect compliment to baseball mm-hmm. uh, that it's uh, that yeah no it's uh, it, it, it's really last absolutely of, last of a dying breed which is uh, uh, you know it's too bad it would have been nice to have a proper farewell tour and and uh, and, and I'm sure he'll be back in the booth a little bit and it, and uh, uh, you know mm-hmm. the, this year and and hopefully in years to come and hopefully you know he he sticks around the team and we we see him a bunch and can hear him a bunch uh, and that maybe you know even this is uh, you know, you heard his voice. It's shaky, and that's part of why he was he, he was uh, 
he announced his retirement, right? Like he said, he, uh, he'd been doing mock games and trying to see that he had the stamina to, to keep doing it and just found that he was hitting the wall, which is, uh, uh, you know, what, what drove him to make this decision. But that doesn't mean that he can't come in and call some innings and, and be a part of it. And, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of people would really like that. And I, I've, you know, as much as I've, I've written about things I didn't like him saying, uh, I, you can count me among those mm-hmm. people too. Absolutely. No, he, uh, yeah, last of a downgrade. I had, oh, I had something else I was going to say, but I forgot what it is. Okay. Now. It's fine. It's not a big deal. We, we, we wish him the best and, uh, and hope he's able to, uh, hope he can enjoy his retirement and, uh, and enjoy. And again, this is the guy, he, the perfect story, the guy who, um, who moved, moved to Canada. He's an American guy who made his home here and has lived here his entire life. And, uh, that's what, that's what everybody wants, right? Remember, don't, don't be like JP Ricciardi. Don't be taken off. Canadian, Canadian, great Canadian, Jerry Howard. Uh, that's it, I think. That's, that's it, it, right? You got nothing else? That's it. That's it for this edition of Birds All Day. Uh, look for Super Bad for our Patreon exclusive uh, our content. We'll do a segment on something, and uh, it'll be exclusive for the, to those who are uh, Patreon uh, uh, members. Of course, if you wanted to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash birds. Oh, that's what it was. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jerry Howard, the last note on okay. Jerry. He, uh, a couple of years ago, Ben Nicholson-Smith, Benny Fresh at the Sportsnet did a great feature where Jerry has his, Jerry scores every game and he has his own kind of weird Jerry, Jerry Howard shorthand and all this different stuff that goes into the, um, uh, goes into his score sheet. And one of the things that, that I noticed, um, as a, whatever it is that I am, even Jerry Howarth on his score sheet, he pr- would write every player's name down phonetically. He would write their name in the, in the lineup as he pronounces it. So he would write Bautista, B-O-W-Tista, as like a visual cue to pronounce his name that way. He spelled Marcus Stroman's name with a, with a K, just not, as a, not in error, but to me, that's his, that's how you pronounce it. He did it for both teams. Home, home anyway, how many, how many Jose Bautista games did he call? Every game. The, this was from the Batflip games, from 2015, Bautista, B-O-W, which I found really <laughs> yeah. interesting and it's a nice note. It's something that uh, that I, when I make my notes, I'm gonna. I need to be much better at pronouncing people's names correctly, knowing the date and the episode number. The very minimum <laughs> that I can do. Yeah, I'll take that from Jerry Howard. But anyway, Patreon.com/slash/BirdsAllDay. Uh, support the content you value. Uh, you're seeing that model move more and more. You know, layoffs at big media companies and more people moving to places like the Athletic, um, which is you know it, it's encouraging and it, and it does put. The onus on the listener a little bit, but if you do value the content that you hear from Stoughton and I on Birds All Day, then by all means, head on over. Going to do another special mini episode. going to be a mini episode probably tomorrow, so keep your out for that with, with a guest. Where I'm going to sit down, do a quick interview, and talk to somebody about some stuff. Ooh. Tentatively, you never know in this. Bit world. of a teaser there. So that'll be there. Teaser. I don't want to overcommit. I don't want to because I'm shady. So you got God. The, the world could fall, and maybe it, fingers crossed. But uh, if, if failing that, then there'll be it might be a little extra, you know, forty nine point five episode of one forty nine point five episode of Birds All Day, and of course you can get it on iTunes, rate, review, do all that stuff. You can read Stoughton at Blue Jays Nation at the Athletic at Vice. Follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Like Birds All Day on Facebook. Anything else? Is that the whole, uh, that's the whole laundry list? If you got if you made it this far, you know all that stuff already. But we don't want to inundate people with the ads and the, and the, and the begging early on. So we'll, we'll, we'll backload it this time. Yeah, All if right? you made it this far, you should, you should really be considering it. You've clearly consumed this content. You should feel guilty about not paying. <laughs> I agree. Pay, pay, I what, agree. pay whatever you like. All right. We don't, 
We don't hold it. Anything against anybody. We just have <laughs> special content for the heroes that do pay. Uh, but we do, and but then if you do, if you do like it, share yeah. it, get it out there. This is great. Blue Jays talk. Spring training is started. Baseball's back. Listen to these two fucking assholes go on about Jerry Howard for twenty minutes. His name is Andrew Stoughton. My name is Drew Fairservice. We will talk to you next time on Birds All Day. <laughs>